This is the Hymn Publications Podcast. I'm Chad Harrington. Today's episode is a recording of a message that I preached with my dad in 2019 at the Go Conference in Toronto, Ontario. Soon after we got back, I recorded an intro to this message, and I thought that it captured my excitement about the trip really well. So I wanted to preserve that original intro I recorded. So I guess in a sense, allow me to introduce myself. Recently, I went to Canada with my dad, Bobby Harrington. We were invited to speak at the Go Conference in Toronto, Ontario. Now, this was an amazing trip because not only did we get to speak at a discipleship conference, we also got to go to the homeland. My dad and I are both Canadian, born and raised, and yes, I know the national anthem, and I feel like that's a litmus test. But I say all that to say it was an amazing, serendipitous moment when my grandfather wanted to meet us in Ontario, where our ancestors landed back in the 1830s and established a homestead. So my grandfather grew up there in Ontario, the same general area where, you know, during the Irish potato famine, our ancestors came over on the Peter Robinson boat. Like he told me all the history, right? So he wants to bring me and my dad to Toronto. And my dad gets a call from the founder of the Go Conference. His name's Finu. He calls my dad and he says, hey, do you know anyone who can speak on discipleship in the home? And my dad said, well, yeah, I, and my dad knows many, many people throughout, <laughs> throughout North America, Canada and the U.S. And then Fanu said, well, do you know anyone who, you know, can speak on that topic, but also it'd be great if they had a book about that topic. And little did he know, but my dad and I had written a book called Dedicated, which is about discipleship in the home. And so it was this amazing coincidence, wink, wink, that my dad and I could meet my grandfather in Canada. And this was a completely separate idea that coincided literally in the same city. So we can meet my, my grandfather, who lives in Alberta now. We can meet him in Toronto. And we could spend a couple days that same week going to Lindsay, Ontario, just two hours northeast of Toronto. And we could hang out three generations of Harringtons. And then in addition to that, we could speak twice at this conference about discipleship in the home. What an amazing opportunity. And so this is one of our presentations that we made. My dad and I did this together, and I wanted you to hear it. We wanted to share this with you as a way to encourage you. It's based on the book Dedicated, which is published by Zondervan, but it's available at himpublications.com. You can order this book as a resource to help you grow as a parent. And so we anchor this discussion in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 to 9. Take a listen and enjoy. At uh, Bobby Harrington uh, is the founder and lead servant at Harpeth Christian Church, uh, discipleship.org and renew.org. He has written over 10 books on the teachings of Jesus and discipleship, including a Disciple Shift, the Disciple Maker's Handbook, uh, dedicated that he wrote with his son Chad. We had Chad Zolo. Now we have Chad Harrington. And uh, trust and follow Jesus. He has studied at the University of Calgary, Harding University, Asbury Seminary, Princeton, and the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary, where he completed his doctoral degree. He lives in Nashville, Tennessee area with his lovely wife, Cindy, children and grandchildren. In his spare time, he enjoys sports, world politics, uh, and good movies. Uh, Chad Harrington is the chief storyteller at Harrington Interactive Media, 
and HIM Publications, HIM Publications. He studied uh, the Bible at Ozark Christian College and earned a Master of Biblical Studies degree from Asbury Theological Seminary. He is the co-author of Dedicated with his dad and Jason Hauser. He and his wife, Rachel, live with their daughter, Emma, in Nashville, uh, Tennessee. Uh, Tennessee. Bobby and uh, his 33-year-old son, Chad, believe the most important discipleship of all is uh, discipleship in the home. So they've written this book uh, called Dedicated, Training Your Children to Trust and Follow Jesus. And we're so excited and thankful that they can be here with us at the uh, GO Conference and share what they've learned as father and son to help Christian parents effectively disciple their children. So can we just give our warmest Canadian welcome to Bobby and Chad Harrington as they come up and share with us right now. Thank you so much. So good to have you with us. Yeah, thank you. So thank good you to be so here. Yeah, really, really uh, glad to be here. Actually, I like my son's title better, The Chief Storyteller. Uh, you can take it. <laughs> what better way than to be a chief storyteller? Well, that was a fascinating, uh, a couple of fascinating presentations on uh, discipling people online and uh, both having a total church experience online and then discipling people online. And uh, I don't know what your reaction is, but uh, I think that this is a, uh, exciting times with exciting possibilities. Now, we can talk about uh, you know, that being an effective first step. Um, uh, and I, and I, I think there's a really intriguing conversation, but I want to talk to you today about something that's up close and personal. It's person to person, and it's the most important disciple making we could talk to you about. So let me just back up and, uh, <clears throat> I'm going to ask everybody to join us in looking at a passage uh, but first, just a little bit of background on us. I think we have some slides here. Um, this is a little bit of background. I think there's a slide for the book. If you could put the book up next. Yes. So what Chad and I are going to be talking about uh, comes out of a book that we wrote four years ago called Dedicated. And uh, it is about the most important discipleship you will ever do. And that is the training of your children, and in some cases, grandchildren, to trust and follow Jesus. Now, a couple of other things. If you can go to the next slide, I believe it's a picture uh, taken uh, not far from here. There we are. So uh, that barn to the left, uh, as you look at the screen, um, you'll notice my father, who is, by the way, in the second row right here, Bill Harrington. Now, uh, it's in, it's outside Peterborough in a place called Lindsay, or more specifically Downeyville, if you know where that is. So the barn to the left of, or to, as you're looking at it, yeah, to the left of my father was built by his grandfather. And, uh, there, my, my dad's grandfather died in the house that would be off the screen to the right. My dad's father died in that house, and my dad was born there. So uh, we have a lot of roots in uh, uh, southern Ontario, and uh, it's really good to be here with you. Uh, I could tell you a lot of stories, but the main story I want to tell you is uh, by the grace of God, uh, I became a follower of Jesus because I was discipled by my French professor at the University of Calgary some 40 years ago. Since that time, I have devoted myself 
to trying to trust and follow Jesus according to the Bible in every way that I can. And uh, recently, I just finished 32 years as a senior pastor of churches in Calgary and the Nashville area. And uh, I've had the privilege of training church leaders and church planters and developing church planting networks for a couple of decades. And we came to a conclusion that disciple-making had to be the core. And when we say that it's the core or the core mission, that means a lot of thought and intentionality put into how did Jesus make disciples and how can we make disciples like Jesus. So I've been looking at this very hard for about 15 years with everything I have, asking the question, how can each of us, how can you and how can I make disciples the way Jesus teaches us? And uh, I have the privilege of leading discipleship.org, which has been described. Uh, Discipleship.org, in about a week and a half, we are going to have a national conference in the United States where we'll have 1,600 pastors and leaders come together to talk about disciple-making. We have a, a newsletter that I have the privilege under God's grace of sending out to 26,000 people every week on disciple-making. We will have a quarter of a million downloads of our podcasts every year on disciple-making through discipleship.org. I say all that to say this. If you and I could only excel at one thing, it would be making disciples in our homes. There's several ways I can describe this. Um, Let me describe it to you this way. Uh, Over the last 100 years, there's been extensive studies done. And do you know that 80% of all people who become followers of Jesus do so by the time they are 14 years of age? Do you know that uh, there's a great commission before the great commission? And it's in Deuteronomy chapter 6. I believe that for parents or for grandparents, there is no passage in the entire Bible more important than Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 9. And so if I were to say to you about disciple making, uh, of becoming an expert in any one thing, it would be let's become experts in what God first said through Moses when he told parents in very simple terms how to make disciples of their children, and then let's see if we can practice that today. Chad? I'm just going to grab you a seat, Dad. You did a good job discipling me. So <laughs> this is what it's about. So, I'll... Thank you for having us. What an honor it is to be able to share this stage with my father, who's been a pastor since I was one year old, starting at the Calgary Church of Christ. And to have my grandfather here, and to be able to, dis- to discuss the things of God, Three generations deep. Yeah, praise God for that. And and that is only by the grace of God, because especially Harrington men, we are just knuckleheads. It takes a little bit extra grace for us. Um, but, you know, really what we want to talk to you today about is the Word of God. And I'm getting a little feedback um, up here. I don't know if the monitors are too loud. But Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 to 9, 
has the power, that solved it, thank you, um, has the power to radically alter the trajectory of the coming generations. And here's why I say that. Number one, Jesus, when asked what the greatest commandment was, quoted this verse. Number two, while he was in the great temptation in Luke 4 and Matthew 4, guess what he quoted? Deuteronomy 6 and 8. This passage is foundational. Reason number three, it's called the Shema. And Jews of old days and and Jews even now will often recite the Shema multiple times a day. And here's what it says. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. It says, these commandments that I give to you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. It says, write them on the door frames of your homes, your houses, and on your gates. Pretty straightforward, right? So what's the problem? The problem is that very few of us actually do these things. And here's the deal. I totally understand. It sounds simple. Just love everybody. Love God and teach your children. But here's the truth. It's hard work to do this. To actually do it. It might be simple conceptually, but it's difficult in practice. Because discipling kids, I mean, think about it. Okay, so uh, if you would show a picture, the picture of me, my wife Rachel, my daughter Emma. Well, that, that's actually me and my and dad when we had hair. That was last year, wasn't it? No, that was the 80s, I think. If you could go to the next picture with, that's me and my wife, Rachel and Emma. She just turned one. And... Tell you what, parenting hits you hard. How, would you raise your hand? Who, who has kids or grand, well, if you have grandkids, who has kids? <laughs> okay, most of you. And by the way, this message is applicable to all of us, even if you don't have biological children. Spiritual children, it's all the same, except for the, the messy diapers. Well, metaphorically, if you get in discipleship, it's there too. But I remember those early days, you know, you come home from the hospital and you're like, oh, what do I do with this child? Let's keep it alive. Um, and all she could do really, I mean, really all she could do is eat, sleep, and, and make messes. And there's really only one word for that, and it's called work. You think it's glorious, right, to have a child and you're... You know, you, when the baby's there, you instantly forget all the pain, right? It's like, hang on to that. <laughs> because I'll tell you, I've been making disciples for a while, for over a decade. And, and now I'm making disciples in my home. And I'll tell you what, I think I know why God made kids so cute. So that we would keep them. Because they give you every reason to get rid of them. 
And you know, and that's probably the most important thing to remember. And this is something my dad taught me, that life is often a lot harder than you would expect. John Piper once said that life is going to be hard with no matter what, whether you have Christ or not. So you might as well experience life being hard with Christ. And when you're making disciples, the workload is heavy. Now, I don't serve on the staff at a church. I own a business, and I still make disciples. And I, I say that because I want to encourage those of you who are working very hard during the week. You come home, and it's like, this is more work. And here's what I want to say. This passage is really important because Jesus and God the Father through Moses wanted to communicate something very important to us. So let's dig into and really try and understand the essential parts of this passage because I want it to be encouraging to you, but also challenging. So the first word that we come across in Deuteronomy 6 verse 4 is here. And I just want to pause there. Because that is the word in Hebrew pronounced Shema. And I bring it up because it doesn't just mean listen. as like I hear the words you're saying. It means hear, listen, and obey. All in one concept. And when you're parenting... This is really important, right? You don't want your kids just to listen to the words you're saying. And when we're making disciples of spiritual children as well, we don't want them to just listen. And I'll tell you what, the culture today tells us that spiritual authority is just another opinion. But as parents, we have to cultivate God's delegated authority that's given to us by virtue of just having kids. And we've got to teach them that our word means obey. And here's why. So it starts with teaching our children to listen to us. Because if we can teach them to truly listen and obey first time, not third time or fourth time, But if we train them, which by the way is totally possible, then then as they grow up spiritually, and for Emma when she starts learning English, (laughs) then when we teach them to hear God, the transference works way better because they're used to first-time obedience. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Now what does that mean? Isn't that interesting? Why don't we just skip to the love part? Where's that? That's easy. The first thing that we need to teach children and and remind ourselves, maybe learn for the first time, is that God is whole. He is complete. He is integral. He is one. This concept is lost on us today, I think. And here's why it's important. Because God's about to call us into His unity, into His integrity, into His purity. He says, love me with everything, the inside and the out. But God being so pure is not going to call us into something that He's not. And so God the Father 
leads by example. and says, in other words, by implication, be like me, God is one. And then we know what love looks like. And really, love is the goal. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength. You know, as I talk to my wife, and we're trying to figure out how to do this parenting thing, you know, uh, my parents did a great job teaching us, but every generation has to figure it out new, and hopefully at a minimum sit on the shoulders of our parents. But we have to rethink what I experienced in school and what I will experience in the church and in the world is much different than what my dad and what my grandfather have experienced. We each have to ask the Holy Spirit, teach us how to teach our children. Teach us how to raise up the next generation. And by the way, the goal is not just survival, but thriving. It's training. That's why we subtitled the book, Training Your Children to Trust and Follow Jesus. Because you can teach a kid to eat with a spoon by feeding it to them. Or you can train them how to eat. And how to feed others. To be the kind of child that knows how to share. And here's the thing. It takes hard work. And that's why it comes back to love. And so as you talk to your spouse, as you talk to your children, I remind the guys I disciple, the goal is love. I'm going to tell you do this, do that, work on prayer, memorize scripture, Submit to authority, but it all comes back to love. And you have to explicitly and clearly remind people the goal because it it comes from this scripture. But here's the key. We have to take God's definition of love because the culture has hijacked the definition. The devil loves this. He's like, oh yeah, it's love, isn't it? Which means how you feel. I was talking to my grandfather about the hippie days, and it's kind of trickled down, and I was like, it feels like the same today. No pun intended. If it feels right, do it. I'm telling you, God is just another option on the buffet of life, and love is the main course. How we define love is the name of the game, and let me tell you this, the best storyteller wins. Okay? The volume of content coming through media, and that's actually a lot of what my business is, Harrington Interactive Media, the volume of content out there, whether it's Netflix, it's YouTube, it's, you know, blogs, it's Facebook, it's Instagram, whatever, is massive. And we have to not only outdo it in terms of truth, but volume. Okay? How often are you speaking the true words of God? Literally. Not just, let's go to church, let's farm them off to the professionals. No, this is our work. This is the the work of the people. Nobody can disciple your kids better than you. Nobody. Orient your life. Like my dad said, this is the task that we have as parents. More than sports, More than church attendance or youth group attendance. More than a private school. We don't farm off discipleship. It's homegrown. Okay? But we need... 
and this is what I want to say. Tell me, Dad, if I need to stop talking. But I'm, the, not only volume of words, number one, is how you win the game of defining God's love, but it's true words. And Isaiah 66, verse 2 says, This is whom I esteem. He who is humble and contrite in spirit and trembles at my word. Do you tremble at God's Word? Or is it just another option? How do you treat the Word when it comes up in conversation? Because our culture puts the Word down low, but someone who trembles at God's Word holds it high. And when they hear it, they obey. (laughs) They don't question it. They don't contextualize it to the point of watering it down. We just accept it reasonably. And that's the third thing. How do we fight to win the the war of words? And, And this is what I want to say. It's with reasonable words. And that starts with listening to our children. If you want to reach the generations that are coming. So I'm a millennial. I'm 33 years old. If you want to reach people like me and younger Start by listening. And we're going to get into that in a little bit, but I I just want to say, truly hear the way they think is so different than the way you think. It's like night from day. And then speak. Back to Deuteronomy 6, verse 5. It says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. What does that mean? Heart in Hebrew, means everything on the inside of you. Notice how Jesus adds the word mind. He was merely extrapolating the Hebrew word for heart and saying, because the Greeks kind of separated things, but for the Hebrews, it was everything inside of you. And then soul in Hebrew is called nephesh. And this is an important word. It really actually is probably more akin to our body. In Genesis 1 and 2, the same word is used with the phrase nefesh chayah, talking about the animals that were created. And what it was delineating was they actually became embodied beings. Nefesh. They they gained physical substance. And here's why that's important. It's really helpful to think about, okay, there's only two aspects of who we are. It's the inside person, emotions, thoughts, and feelings, and the outside, our bodies and our social environment. And so all, all that God is saying through Moses here is love God with everything on the inside and everything on the outside. And then ma'od is the word for strength. And it actually is not the word for strength in Hebrew. It's just the easiest translation. It's the word that means most often much. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your muchness. And it's very interesting that He chooses that word. It's almost like saying, okay, God is one, so how can we express that in the best way? Everything on the inside, everything on the outside, and like, yeah, Mm, much. Do you get the point? Everything you've got, total obedience is the goal. 
not just church for an hour and a half on Sunday morning, or I guess for some traditions, for three and a half hours. It's total surrender. And look, that's not something you do uh, one day a week. It's something you do every day of the week. And we're going to get into that more practically speaking. And we're going to break this down. So, Dad, if you want to pick up. Thank you. I'd like to uh, ask you all to envision something. And uh, it's the end of your life. And you're standing before the Lord Jesus. And when you're standing before the Lord Jesus, uh, everyone who knows the teaching of Scripture knows the highest aspiration is that Jesus would walk up to you and say to you, well done, good and faithful servant. Well, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, Paul adds to that. And uh, I won't take you there because our time is short. But what Paul describes is when he stands before the Lord Jesus Christ, he's going to look to his left and look to his right. Right, And when he hears the Lord Jesus say, well done, good and faithful servants, he's going to say, look, Lord, look who's with me to my right. Look who's with me to my left. Now, I'd like you to think for a second about this. When you stand before the Lord Jesus, think that your children are to your left and your grandchildren are to your right. Now, friends, let me ask you this. Can you think of a more important vision for your life? Think of the alternative. The alternative is frightening. The alternative is devastating for that which matters most in our families. And so we make a decision. We make a decision that we are going to live our lives today thinking disciple-making, especially of our children, of our grandchildren, in some cases our parents, our brothers and sisters, and even our grandparents. But those that we love the most, we want to love them so well that they will stand with us on that day. Agreed? So several years ago, Gene Stallings was the uh, head coach of the Alabama Crimson Tide. In the United States, college football is like everything. It's like the CFL and the NFL. Uh, I'm sorry, the CFL and the NHL combined. So Gene Stallings won the, the uh, national championship. His team won the national championship. And he was voted coach of the year. His friend, Joe White, called him. And he said, Gene, I'd like to congratulate you on being a success. And Gene stopped him. He said, Joe, don't, don't call me a success. And Joe goes, oh yeah, I remember. Years ago when we were with the Dallas Cowboys, I asked, he was called Coach, I asked Coach what success is. He said, I'd tried to define it this way and I tried to define it that way. And Coach said, I don't have that view of success. Here's my view of success. And he wrote down three numbers, 29, 30, and 31. When my children are 29, 30, and 31, and they're faithfully following Jesus, and they're raising children who faithfully follow Jesus, then I'll feel like I've been a success. You see, it's a very different view than I want to get my kids playing, you know, uh, on junior A hockey. I want to get my kids in the best school. I want them to learn this sport and that sport. And, uh, and all those things can be good things, but let me tell you what the greatest thing is. That our children trust and follow Jesus. Nothing is going to matter more on that day for those you love. So this text tells us to do three things. And uh, I'll finish with this. It tells us to love God. Now, here's what we know. We know you can't lead where you don't go. 
You can't teach where you, you, you can't lead where you don't go. You can't teach what you don't know. And you can't give to your children what you can't show in your own life. So it begins with, I, I want, I want to love God genuinely and authentically, knowing that my children are watching every step I make. And by the way, that never ends. It never ends. Children watch their fathers and mothers till the day their fathers and mothers die. And you want to walk in steps that you, will, you would like your children to walk in behind you. Mark Twain put it very well. He said, children have never been, listening, never been very good at listening to their parents, but they never fail to imitate them. So love God. Loving God authentically in your home is the single most important thing. The second, and that's why the passage says, love the Lord your God with all your, as Chad says, all your muchness. And then secondly, you're going to have a relationship with them. And uh, the relationship with your children is everything. I don't need to tell you all that. You, you care about the relationship. So I want to describe the kind of relationship. And hear these words because they're carefully chosen. You want to have a relationship with your children as missionaries. They're living in foreign territory. They are not living in the world that you grew up in. You cannot think that life for them will be the same as it was for you. Our world is changing so rapidly, so fast. Who would have thought 10 years ago we'd be having a conversation where you can have an entire church experience from watching services, praise and worship, to small groups, to service, to giving, and do it all online? But that is the world, and even more change is coming. All around us in Canada and in North America, people are abandoning the ways of Jesus and traditional teachings in the Bible, heaven and hell, Jesus being the only way, sexuality, all these things now look like radical teachings of cults. They're living in foreign territory. So we enter into their lives as missionaries. Now catch this. We enter into their lives highly relational. We talk about the commandments of God when we walk along the road, when we lie down, when we get up. When we're going to hockey games, we're talking about it. When we're going to dance, we're talking about it. When we're dropping them off at school, we're talking about it. When we're picking them up from school or wherever, we're talking about it. We know this, that our children are hearing 20 times from the world for every once they're hearing from us. So we are missionaries engaged in relationship showing the love of God and empowering our children to follow Jesus in their world. Now catch this. And empowering them to go as adults further into that world and away from us as followers of Jesus to be disciples who make disciples. Missionaries never make disciples for themselves. They make disciples for the mission of God and they send them out. And that's it for me. Chad, why don't you wind it up? That is is hard to do because those babies, man, are so cute. You just want to hold, you want them for yourself. You never want to let them go. So from the beginning, make sure to saturate yourself in that kingdom vision. You've got to have that transcendent purpose instilled in your own heart so that all along, that relationship is not a buddy relationship, 
but a training. And here's the thing. Your relationship will be closer than any other way if you train them for the kingdom. It's the deepest connection a parent can have with their child. But you got to give it away to receive it. Which is really a message of the Gospel. You give yourself away to your children as a servant of the King and their servant. And as you give yourself away, you're filled up. You've got to really believe in the cross and the resurrection to truly give yourself away. And what it looks like in practice is when you sit down at home and when you walk along the road <laughs> when we were sitting at home growing up, I would ask my dad all sorts of questions. He was a pastor, right? It's like, I got the pastor sitting at home. I'm going to ask him all these sorts of questions. This is great. And what he would always tell me is, go get your Bible. I was like, come on, dad, you got that thing memorized. So I'd run upstairs, run back downstairs. Okay, now what? And then encyclopedic knowledge instructed me to turn to 1 Corinthians 5 and Matthew 22. And I thought that, I it was like, I knew you had this memorized. But you know what he did? You know why he didn't spoon feed me the truth? Because he was training me for the kingdom. Go get your Bible. You know what I say now to my one-year-old? Not that yet. <laughs> but I will tell you, when we were walking along the road... My wife was was away, and when the, the cat's away, the mice will play. So me and my daughter are walking around the neighborhood in Nashville, Tennessee. Very multicultural environment. And so uh, there's about 512 homes, and I'm just strolling my six-month-old daughter. And I thought about Deuteronomy 6. And I'm like, oh man, he's going to learn English soon. What am I going to say to train her up as I walk along the road? And you know what? I have six and a half years of theological education, every reason to know how to disciple my kids, and I was speechless. And I'm like, oh no, what am I going to do? I thought this would be easy. And so I just thought, what's the most basic thing I could teach Emma? And even though she couldn't understand me, I decided to start practicing discipling my daughter. And so I said, Emma... What, what's the most important thing to do in life? Love God. And then I said, Emma, who do we fear? I said, no one but God. I was trying to train myself to train my daughter. And you know what was shocking? Although it was felt awkward, I didn't know what to say, I just started and I'll, we'll figure it out as we go. We've got enough knowledge to keep them spinning for a long time. So just start. If you don't know what to do, and what I want to encourage you to do is when you go home tonight, before the end of the day, take out Deuteronomy chapter 6, look at the specific instructions, and just write out your plan. doesn't have to be perfect. You can change it. One thing you can do while you're sitting, while you're driving or walking, when you're lying down with your kids to go to sleep and when you're waking up, something you can put on your walls or on your door frames or on your door. 
And you know what? Why not get a WWJD bracelet so you can bind it as a symbol on your hand? The forehead thing, I don't know how that works today. But find ways to totally integrate the Word of God into your life. You know, we kind of we kind of mislabeled the Pharisees as legalists, right? They were, okay? But you know what? Maybe they were just trying to figure it out the best they could too. Find ways to love God with everything you got. Don't worry about being a legalist at this point. We kind of err on the opposite side. I want to ask everybody if you would, let's all stand. I'd like us to read as we close. I'd like us to read this passage together. I want to remind you of a couple of things before we read it. The first thing is this. The Shema, it's called the Shema, was recited by every Jewish person every day in the time of Jesus. So when Jesus and his family went to the synagogue, this is something that they knew backward and forward. This is what Jesus did with his disciples. This is the single most important passage in the entire Bible on discipleship in the home. As a parent, the most important passage of the Bible that you could be an expert in to disciple your children is Deuteronomy chapter 6. So let's read it all together. O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commands that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands. Bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and of your gates. God bless you with the hearing of his word. This is sort of uh, off the cuff here, but uh, thank you so much for just sharing, uh, Bobby and Chad. Uh, you can be seated. Um, just want to ask you a couple questions. And uh, one of the things you said as you were sharing is to be highly relational with your children. We have many people here that have uh, uh, different parenting styles, have been parented different ways, people that have come from many different countries. Uh, for example, uh, my parents are both immigrants to this country. My dad is from Guyana. My mom is from Germany. They worked very hard, as I remember growing up as kids. And uh, I have a great relationship with my parents today because they sort of learned your your relationship changes, but... Uh, over time, but I grew up in a home to be seen and not necessarily heard. We did our, when my dad got saved when I was eight and a half years old, we did weekly Bible studies. Uh, you know, Bible study was, uh, or family devotional time was maybe an hour, two hours, because sometimes ethnic people think longevity is, you know, just good. My dad read from the King James Bible and we sang the same song every week. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. And as my dad has an accent, you know, he would say he has done great things. And, uh, and I remember getting spanked, my, my brothers and I getting spanked because as Canadian kids growing up, 
Tings was not in our language. Things was. How many of you know what I'm talking about? All right. Thank you. I know there's people here uh, that identify with that. So growing up, uh, there wasn't that highly re- that high relationship that was there, partly because it was the way that they were raised. And they were raising us in the best way that I could. I'm thankful that all five of us are serving the Lord today, partly because I remember he has done great things. Still can't sing it in church today without laughing, to be quite honest with you, because I hear things. How would you, yeah, <laughs> it's good. How would you help uh, maybe some of the parents or grandparents that are here today on what are some good starting points of building relationship with your children or grandchildren? Because, uh, you know, it's like, I mean, I, I grew up, there was no conversation. You just got beat for everything you did. Uh, right. And there was no discussion why you did it. Like, I mean, and what was ever in sight, you got beat with. And I don't, this is on camera. Obviously I have a great relationship with my parents today. We all turned out fine. How many of you turned out fine without conversation, just beating? Anyways, we all did. How can you help or how, what are some best practices that you could share with parents here on building that high relationship with them? describe uh, first for parents. And I'd like to mention grandparents if I can yes, as well. Uh, I think that uh, the hard part about uh, what I'm about to describe is that many people aren't actually comfortable uh, getting into the world of their kids. So a couple of practices, and, and this is a shameless plug to read the book because we go into great detail in here. Uh, there's no profit from it for us, but it's, uh, I think it'll really help you. But uh, I want to talk about uh, launching and landing prayers. So, for example, you, you get up in the morning. Uh, we made it a habit to make sure that the family could be together for breakfast, even if it meant, especially in junior high and high school years, everybody had to get up early. We have a short devotional. You keep it short, but you make sure that the family prays. You're in Scripture. Uh, again, when the kids are in junior high and high school, it's probably going to need to be early in the morning because after school they got so many activities. When they're small, you can do it around dinner time. But you just have a short devotional. Now, the launch and the landing is before you send out the kids, you pray with the kids and you invoke the blessing of God on them. Then when they come home at night and when you're going to bed, here's what my wife did, and this was killer good. Every night she would take the kids to bed and they would have a little bit of time together and she would have them describe their pit and their peak, she would go over a scripture with them, and then she would pray with them. And it got to be where it wasn't normal to go to bed without doing that. Mm-hmm. Now, for me, uh, one of the things that I, I really focused on, of course, I did all those things, but I wanted to enter into the world, and I, this is why I've said we've got to be missionaries. I wanted to enter into the world of my children, and that means that I need to learn to love what they love, I need to, to be involved in what they're involved in. One of the great things Chad and I had is that from the time he's a little guy, I taught him hockey. And so we had hockey together and, uh, uh, you know, playing all the time. I'd coach his teams to be with him, but also in his world to talk about the Lord Jesus. With my daughter, it would be more dance or softball, but we're always with her and we're always appropriately, without being overly religious, talking about the Lord then we made sure that church was a top priority uh, and that the kids knew that. And when they were in junior high and high school, youth group was not an option. It's what our family does. Because I, we knew this, and again, it, I can repeat myself here, 
But when you know that that day, when our lives end, that they're going to stand before the Lord, and you've been entrusted by God with your kids, what else matters more? I don't understand so many parents who don't make this the top priority. And I want to say a word about grandparents. My, my, my dad's here. My dad became a follower of Jesus later in life. But I got to tell you, uh, and he, he, if he were to uh, be here talking to you, uh, he may say a lot of things about what he would do differently if he could go back when we were growing up. But I got to tell you, he gets an A plus as a grandfather. Because when my sister's kids didn't go to church, he would pick them up and take them to church. He's been a killer good grandfather uh, to my son, helping us to disciple our kids and praying for our kids every day. So those are some things. Anything to add, Chad? Yeah, thanks. Um, We have a chapter in Dedicated called Dedicated to Relationship. And in it, we talk about this paradigm that we get from Josh McDowell. And it's rules without relationship leads to rebellion. Relationship without rules leads to ruin. But relationship with rules, again, oversimplification, relationship with rules equals righteousness. If you can figure out the art of discipling your kids within relationship without making it this buddy parenting thing where you can still have fun and play but but remain and be relational but remain an authority figure for them that's what they really need and want so define relationship um, around the goal is to train them up but one of the things my dad did really well and I say my dad because you know my mom did did it probably more naturally but because he was full-time in work and all these things he came to to my hockey games you know, and uh, and that made that meant a lot. He wouldn't miss one if he could help it. It's that kind of thing. Um, the only thing I would leave you with, and this is something that I'm trying to figure out as a new father. Uh, Jason Hauser introduced me to this idea, but to think of yourselves as memory makers, and that's the relationship piece. If you can be really intentional about creating great memories together. You know, whether it's a trip or uh, something small around town, if you can cultivate memories together, when they leave home, they'll remember the love and relationship they had with you. Hey, thanks for listening. Share this episode with someone who needs to hear it. Until next time, I'm Chad Harrington, and this is the Hymn Publications Podcast.